God bless you. It's good to see you this morning. I hope everybody's doing okay today. No, we got a lot of snow out there, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If you have your Bibles with you today, I'd like for you to open with me to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm dealing with a series, a new series that we've started the first of the year, talking about and trying to paint a new portrait of God for each one of us. Sometimes I believe that we have a picture of who God is that came from a history that's not necessarily bad or wrong. We don't necessarily, I'm not wanting to come across as if we're seeing it as, as evil or bad. It's just that it's not totally accurate and it's not exactly who God is. And I want to know who God is. You know, for centuries, we have tried to identify exactly what love is. You know, uh, love has been the subject of countless uh, songs that have been written. Uh, love is the subject of stories that are told. People tell love stories. There are love stories that are written all the time. There are books, numerous books uh, written on love uh, movies made about love, and it's a very uh, positive thing. Uh, talk shows where they talk about love, and and sitcoms, and just a variety of things. We read things on the internet all the time about love. One of the things that I've discovered and that I've learned is, and and I don't want to get into a, a complete teaching on this, but you know, love, the God kind of love is love that is agape. It's the agape of God. There is a word eros that is in the original languages of scripture that is about a human love. It's a reciprocating love where you love, do you love me back? And filio is a love that is designated and talked about like in families, the families, a father and a child, a husband and a wife and a mother and a daughter, whatever the connotation, those are different types of love. But in this context of this series that we're doing about a new portrait of God, the Bible talks about God is spirit, it says God is light, and it says God is love. Those three portraits are three portraits in scripture that describe God. And so because I think we've been lied to about God and we have a false picture of God today, I, I want to begin and the title of today's message is a new portrait of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, I want to read this from the NIV translation because it's just clearer and cleaner and it's easier for us to understand. Verses 4 through 7, he says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and then it closes with love never fails. You know, I believe from the moment we are born into this world, we begin searching for love. We feel the love of a parent and we understand how a mother loves us and what that love is and we look for those things. The question that I have today and in this series as we search for love, 
My question is, would we really know what love is if it came along and hit us right in the face? Do we really know what love is? I think we do have some comprehension and some understanding, but do we really know what God's love is all about? Now, here's what I believe. You don't have to believe this, but I believe this. I believe whatever you believe to be true about love in your heart is exactly what you believe in your heart about God. If God is love, and I read you some scripture last week, I'll continue throughout this series to read you more scripture, but it's clear, God is agape, God is love. And I believe whatever you believe to be true about love is exactly what you believe in your heart about God. Now, again, as I've already said, today I want to try to paint a new image on your heart about love and a new image on your heart about God. First, today we need to kind of clear the canvas of our heart. We need to wash away all of the stained images of God uh, that we've received throughout our life. And you know what I'm saying? I'm praying, Lord, open up my heart for truth so that I may see you as you are. You know, I personally believe we've been lied to about God. I believe that God has been misrepresented, misrepresented for years because not, not on purpose or any of those kinds of reasons, but just because we really haven't known or understood God. And today we need, desperately need the truth. You know, we live in a world where everybody has an opinion about everything and your opinion may be okay, my opinion may be okay, but what is the truth about God? I'm on a quest for the truth. I want to know what the truth really is. Now, you know, without going into a whole detail, I want you to understand grace and truth are connected together and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And you can't have grace without truth and you can't have truth without grace. And you got to understand how those are connected. That's not my sermon today. But when truth is found, it will not contradict itself or confuse our understanding of God. When we really see God for who he is and how he is, we will have a better understanding of truth. Now, please hear me say this, make this your prayer. I want to know and I want you to know who he is. Lord, just give us a revelation of who you are. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, before I get into this, I want to make a couple of statements. I hear people and we could talk about a numerous different things, but, but the word hate is one of those things that, that people talk about God hates this. And last week in our discussion on Wednesday night, we got into talking about the word hate. And I personally don't like to hear people say God hates. Well, when I say that, there's some of you who will say, well, pastor, the Bible says that God hates some things. 
Well, I totally agree. I know that that's what the Bible says. The Bible does say that God hates certain things, and it lists things that He hates. But I want you to remember that some of the things that we say that Scripture says gets lost in translation and, and gets lost in, in our uh, constantly changing the English language. I mean, there's all kinds of, of words that don't mean the same today what they meant 40 years ago or 100 years ago because the English language has changed. I've used this example numerous times, but, but I don't know any better one to use. I need to try to get me a better one. But when I was a boy, if somebody said that was a hot car, and that's all they said, that's a hot car. When they said that, you could mean that car is really fast. That car is hot. It can fly. That is a fast car. You could mean that car is stolen because a hot car could also be a stolen car. You could say that car is hot and it's 100 degrees out here and the windows have been rolled up and when you get in it, it'll burn you. That thing is on fire in that context of it's extremely hot that way. Or when you say that's a hot car, you could say, well, you know, the thermostat stuck, it's bulling over and, and all the water is bulling out of the car because it's a hot car. Or you could mean it's just a good looking car. Man, that car is hot. It's a nice looking car. And that's, all of those meanings come from the word hot. Rob Frank taught me, and it's been several years ago, but he taught me, what are you going to make something mean? So when you hear something from Scripture, when you hear that God hates, my concern is not that we say it, it's what does it mean to people who hear you say God hates because we primarily see that word as an emotion. So today, in our English language, when we say God hates, I don't believe we are exactly saying what Scripture really says. At least when people hear that statement made, I don't think they understand what Scripture says. Let me give you an example. In some cases, the word hate really means love less. Let me give you an example. In Luke, the 14th chapter, and verse number 26, Luke 14, and verse 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, when I read that, and I think about that in today's terminology and somebody says, and I remember reading this when I first got saved and it's saying, I got to hate my mother, my dad. I wasn't married at the time, but I got to hate my brother and sister. Is that really what you, I got to hate myself. God, is that what you're saying? Well, if you go over to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew the 10th chapter, and you look at verse number 37, Here's what Matthew said. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So when you compare here in Luke 14, 26, Jesus is saying, 
You got to hate the members of your own family, but uh, and even yourself. But then you go over here in 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 Matthew's gospel, and he uses the word love less. So you've got to understand that the word hate in the original language could also mean love less. Now, in the Bible, hatred is not an emotion. It's not emotional. Listen carefully to me. The word hate is a covenantal action. In other words, hatred could be when the Bible speaks of loving someone, it means that he has chosen to favor them. When it speaks of God hating someone, it just simply means he has not chosen to favor them. I hear people quote all the time, so God loved Jacob but hated Esau. Well, I've always struggled. What does that mean? Why would God hate Esau? Well, he doesn't mean it the way. It, what it literally means is God favored Jacob and did not favor Esau. Do you realize we favor God's friends? Sure we do. But we do not favor God's enemies. <laughs> When I know somebody loves God and they're following God, they have my favor. When people are attacking God or my family or my friends, it's not that I hate them. I just don't favor them in the right way. So favoring is a choice we make, not an emotion. So when God favors us, it means he elects us. He chooses to place his favor on us. When he disfavors he leaves us to our own, and the biblical word there would be to our own damnation. He literally lets, lets happen to us what we bring on ourselves. So when we see that love and hate could boil down to favor and disfavor, we can see that they are objective and that they involve conscious decisions. So, Pastor, what are you trying to say to us today? Well, I'm saying today we need a revelation of the truth. I don't think we should be talking about and saying God hates and we put it in the same emotion as what we're feeling. When we say God hates this, it portrays a wrong picture of who God is. And I'm saying, God, I want you to reveal to us who you are. Today, I'm going to do my best to paint a new portrait of God for each and every one of us. In order to begin this today, I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 1, right back to the very beginning, and I want you to listen to some statements that he says here. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. Now here's what I want you to understand. When God began this in the beginning here in Genesis, this is when time began. God spoke light into existence. 
He separated light of what we call the day and darkness, which we call night. We'll look in a moment. There was a, two different lights, the sun and the moon, that he, that he spoke into existence here. And he separated this, and this is where time begins. Eternity is not a long, long time. Eternity is no time at all. Time began. There will be a day when time will cease. There will be time no more. It will be a whole different thing. But I want you to understand, God began this way, and he made the earth, he made the heavens, and, and, and this is the beginning of time. Down in verse 10, I want you to read with me, and he says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I want you to notice good. Then in verse 12 it says, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice, earth, plants, again, good. Down in verse 18, it says, And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. He made the sun and the moon, and it was good. Then down in verse 21, So God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. He made fish from the waters, birds from the air, and again, I want you to notice the word good. In verse 25, it says, And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Here again, we have animals coming from the earth according to their kind. Then in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then in verse 31, he says this, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. This was the end of the sixth day. Here's what I want you to see. On all of these things that God created, God said it is good. And what I want you to hear me say today, when we talk about God and we talk about God is spirit, God is light, God is love. I want you to understand God is good. 
God is good. Now, there's a principle here that I want you to see and I want you to understand about God. The principle is this. In God's creating the earth and everything here, a thing consists of the same material from which it came. Let me say that again. A thing consists of the same material from which it came, and it must remain attached to its source in order to live and to maximize its potential. One more time, I want to say that. A thing consists of the same material. Plants came from the soil. Fish came from the water. Birds came from the air. We need to understand the atmosphere that it must remain attached to its source in order to live and to maximize its potential. Over in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, notice what he says here. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The trees of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now hear me say this, trees came from the soil and they have to be connected to the soil or else they will die. Listen, a seed, a seed. If it isn't planted in soil, it can never fulfill its inherent potential. A seed can lay dormant on a shelf for thousands of years, but when you take that seed and place it in the soil from which it was derived, from which it came, it will start to produce the potential that is in that seed. Here's what I'm saying. It must become attached to its source in order to produce life. That seed can't produce life until it is placed in the soil from which it came. Now let me talk to you just a moment about an original human being. If we read through this created creation narrative, the creator, God, the creator, spoke to the material from which he desired to produce the product that he made or created, he would speak to the source that he was making. And then, and then out of the source that he spoke to came the product. Now follow me. When he wanted vegetation, he spoke to the soil. So all vegetation... All vegetation originated from the soil. All vegetation consists of elements of the soil. All vegetation must remain attached to the soil in order for it to live and be fruitful. The same thing is, tree, is true of all living creatures. All originated from the earth or the soil and consists of elements of the soil and must be maintained by the soil. They also 
return to the soil or to their source when they die. However, when God created the human species, when God made man, he did not speak to the soil. He did not speak to the water. He did not speak to the atmosphere. He spoke to himself. He spoke to himself and actually when he was creating man, he created them. It was a two process. There were two processes involved. He said, let us make man in our image and let us make man in our likeness. He made man, when he did, he spoke to himself, let us. He drew out of himself so that the essence of a man would be just like him. Now hear me, just as God is spirit, he made humans to be spirits. What do you mean? Listen, man does not have a spirit. He is a spirit. Man is a spirit. He has much more than just a physical body. Then when he made man, he has two forms of that man. He made that man male and female. Two forms. A man and a womb man. God created man. Listen, but he made, he made male and female. God created man in his own image, but he also made man. He did them both. Now, the original source of the spirit man is the creator, the spirit. When God breathed into that man, when he breathed into that, that life-giving spirit came in man. So original source is part of us came from God, but then part of us came, our physical bodies came from the earth or the soil. It came from the earth. And we were both in there together. Now listen, source is extremely vital here with what it is I'm trying to say. It's vital to the ongoing well-being of the product because, listen to me, it's the authority, the source, it's the authority and sustainer of what it produces. Now, you ask me, Pastor, why is that important? I'm going to tell you why. God did not kill man when man sinned. Listen carefully to me. Just as a plant dies when it's detached from its soil, the soil, its source, when the plant is detached from its source, the plant dies. When a fish is detached from its source, the water, you take the fish out of the water, it dies. Why? Because the water is its source. The earth is the source for the plants. 
So if and when a person becomes separated from its source, the Spirit of God, he too will malfunction and die. Guys, listen carefully to me. Just as soil never kills a plant. Think about that for a moment. You would never say that the soil kills the plant. You would never say that water kills a fish. No, soil never kills a plant. Water never kills a fish. And I'm saying to you, God never kills a man. I can just hear you now. Some of you are just, well, I know what God did and I know, well, listen, God doesn't kill a man because he doesn't have to. What do you mean? Death, which means separation. Death is a result, not an imposition. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying when God said to Adam in the Garden of Eden, when he looked at him, he said, the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. God knew that he was severing himself from the source. God wanted and knew that he was the source. And when he chose to walk away or separate himself from the source, and God said, the day you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. God was not killing man. He was announcing a result. Help me, Lord. He didn't say, the day you eat of that tree, I'm going to kill you. He is saying, the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Listen to me, guys. If you pull a plant out of the soil, you don't kill it. It withers on its own. The reason it dies you may be involved in what happened and taking it out, but the point is that when it is separated from the soil, the soil is not what killed it. It dies because of its separation. It withers on its own because in order for it to have life, it's got to be connected to its source. If you take a fish out of the water, you don't kill it. The fish will suffocate and die because it's separated from its life source. Likewise, the same thing is true of a man. If a man takes himself out of connection with God, he dies spiritually, and it's only a matter of time until he dies physically. Listen to me. The creator, God, brought life, not death, into the world. Jesus came and Jesus declared, 
I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly because Jesus came to the earth to reconnect us with the life source. We've got to understand that we are connected to the spirit of God and that God is a spirit and he has chosen to take up his residence inside of us and we are connected to him. All of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to recognize who their life source is and begin to have fellowship with him and walk with him and talk to him. What's sad is most Christians only are looking for a ticket to heaven. When God's trying to bring heaven to earth through us. Listen to me. God didn't and doesn't impose death on anything. Death is a result of man being separated from God. Listen to me. I realize that you are a part of an earth where we are highly opinionated, where we are judgmental, where so many people, the church world puts judgments on people and things on people. And, and, and if we're not careful, we get so tied up. I want you to understand, I'm not looking to be a mealy mouth grace person because if you just have grace and you don't have truth, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If I could say it to you this way, Grace and truth are married. I've told this story before, but I don't know of a better way to tell it than now. This, the, the, the guy saw this beautiful woman and he looked at her and her beauty was so wonderful. And he looked at her and he says, what is your name? And she said, my name is Grace. And he saw her and her magnificence and he wanted to, have her. He wanted grace to be part of his life. He wanted grace to come and to, to, to have a relationship with grace. He wanted grace to be a part of his daily walk. He wanted grace to come because he knew his life could be so much better if he just had grace. But as he began to pursue grace and he began to walk after grace and he began to look at grace, Grace informed him that she was married to truth and that he couldn't have her without having her companion because the two of them, grace and truth, had become united together as one. And that in order to have a relationship with grace, she was going to have to have, he was going to have to have a relationship with grace and with truth. Guys, that's the problem with the message that's getting preached around the world today is so many people want the grace of God. I want God's grace for salvation. I want God's grace to cover my sins. I want God's grace to bless me. I want God's grace to do this for me. And we're after grace, but we're not willing to accept truth that comes with grace. Listen to me. Please hear my heart today. I want to know God. I want to know who he is, what he is, 
and what he has in store for us here on planet earth. God came in the beginning and created the heavens and the earth. He's made day and night and he put time into existence and he took this man and he made man from this earth. He made everything on this planet from the earth and the atmosphere and the water and he wanted us to have dominion here on this planet and be a part and oversee everything here on the earth. And yet we've got a bunch of Christians who are only following God for what they believe they can get out of it and get away from this world, this earth that God has placed us in. Listen to me, guys. God wants to do a work in us before he comes to be a part of everything, before Jesus physically comes. We're going to have to let God live in us, mature in us, grow in us. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the maturing of the saints till we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, Jesus came that we might have life and the church is going to have to wake up and realize God is spirit, God is light, God is love, and God has an abundant life waiting for those of us who will walk with him and connect with him and walk with each other and connect with each other in a way that life, God life, can begin to flow in this earth. So I'm asking God, help us. Please listen to my heart. I don't want to be critical. I'm not wanting to attack anyone. I don't want to come across as if I I want anybody to feel bad or condemned. I'm sure not preaching condemnation. I don't want to come across in that fashion. I want you to know that God is love and I don't believe we have totally seen the love of God. Listen to me. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. I want to know that God. I want to know his love and I want his love to be a part of our lives. Pray with me right now, would you? Heavenly Father, I open up my heart, my soul, my spirit to you right now. I'm asking you, Lord, to open the eyes of my understanding that we may receive revelation of who you are and who you made us to be. God, you're not killing anyone. Death came because man separated himself from his source. You are the source of life. Give us Give Rhema Christian Center an ability to reconnect people back to you. 
Lord, you are endeavoring to reconcile all things on planet earth and you have imparted to us the ministry of reconciliation. So God, surround me with people who desire more than anything else to reconcile the world back to you. Help us to reconnect everything and everyone to you, Lord, I pray. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.